0: Welcome to Notes from the North with Kyle and Sam. Welcome back to Notes from the North, your go-to Minnesota Vikings podcast. Before we get started, we want to offer thanks to Purple Pain Forums for allowing us to post our podcast there. So if you're looking for an online forum for passionate Vikings fans, feel free to check out purplepainforums.com. We also want to give a shout out to Purple PTSD for giving us a chance to post our podcast there as well. Be sure to check out the great writing and content over at purpleptsd.com and today we are going to do a little bit of a mini series i guess we're going to be it's going to be a two-part series there's probably a good chance that we'll build off this in the future in some ways but we're going to just start with uh with a two-part series called football for dummies or as kyle would say football for sam Uh, (laughs)
1: I think football for dummies might be taken by somebody already. Is there a series on, is there a series on
0: that? I'm sure there is. I'm sure there is. But I think one of the things we, and I haven't explained this in a while since we started is certainly have been a football fan, but the ins and outs of football and football terminology are something that personally for me as a fan are things that I don't always notice. I think as I hear Kyle break down football versus when I break down football, we see things differently and Kyle's got much more experience on the football end than I do. And so today's going to be a chance for Kyle to explain and share some of the ins and outs of football, particularly focusing on things like the numbering system. Uh, Sometimes we hear about, uh, well, you know what? I don't know. I'm going to give an example because I I don't know a whole lot about it, Uh, but we're going to break this down into defense and offense. We're actually going to start with the defense. That's Kyle's area of specialty. So I do know a little bit. I do know the 3-4 the versus the 4-3. I don't know. If that, is that a good place to start?
1: Yeah, no, exactly. That's um, So one of the great barriers for football from a fan's perspective is that it has a distinct vocabulary instead of terminology that is hard to... Catch up on all in one foul swoop. So, yeah, but even if you've been following, maybe casually watching games, you hear broadcasters drop some numbers or some terms, and it can be really challenging to understand what that means if you don't, you know, maybe have a background from playing days or coaching, or you've spent the time to kind of look into it and do a little bit of reading and that sort of thing. Um, so Sam and I were kind of chatting back and forth. And, uh, you know, one of the ideas we came up with for this off-season content was just. You know, give a bit of a basic breakdown of the numbering system. You see that, and it feels pertinent to the Vikings. So we don't just want to do like this abstract, you know, theoretical thing, but then actually bring it down to the Vikings. How's that going to impact our own team? And uh, we are switching this year from 4 3 defense, which is what the Vikings have played for several years now, uh, the entirety of Mike Zimmer's time. And now they're going to switch to a 3 4. So on the one hand, it's significant. On the other hand, it's, not as significant insofar as throughout the offseason, Kevin O'Connell, Ed Donatel, the new defensive coordinator, Kevin O'Connell, of course, is the head coach. Um, you know, they've made a concerted effort to basically downplay the significance of this change and say, well, we're going to have multiple fronts. And basically, when they say uh, a defensive front or when you hear a front seven, that's referring to the defensive linemen. So generally speaking, the the bigger players on your defense a lot of times it's going to be down to three-point stance. And when we say three-point stance, there's like three points of contact with the turf or with the grass. Each of their two feet, obviously. And then one of their hands is in the dirt, right? So you get your three-point 3, uh, three point stance. Similar to baseball you have with a you know, four-seam fastball. It's because you got fingers on you know, four different seams, right? So it's, it's quite logical when you say like a three-point stance. Well, it's because you got one of your hands in the dirt and now you get three points of contact. Whereas a two-point stance... But you're going to see Daniel Hunter and Zadarius Smith in the two-point stance quite often, it's just their two feet in, in the dirt and, and their hands are up and they're more upright kind of thing. So when you talk about a defensive front, you're really talking about the defensive linemen, the bigger players, and then the linebackers, the aptly named linebackers, because they're, you know, in back of uh, the linemen, right? They're right behind them. And so in the past, what we've seen is a four-three. Which is to say, you have the first number of the four refers to D linemen and the three, the second number refers to your linebackers, right? And so when you have Everson Griffin and Daniel Hunter on the field, and then you have Sheldon Richardson and say Shamar Steffen on the field, those are your four defensive linemen, right? And then in, in behind them, maybe you have Nick Vigil, Anthony Barr, and Eric Henrys. Those are your three. There's your four three defense. And so we know that there's only ever 11 players. Per side and if there's 10 or 12 a team has made a mistake and so 11 players per side and we know that the defensive front our d linemen and our linebackers are seven of those players so therefore you just do basic math seven well how many spots are left for and so generally speaking that means two corners and two safeties and that's kind of like your normal land basic uh personnel package that you know, every single team is going to have um, a lot of downs, a lot of plays where it's seven guys in the front seven, four guys in the defensive backfield. And you call it the defensive backfield because, you know, again, like it's it's aptly named, right? Like they're, they're in the back. Um, you know, a lot of these uh, a lot of these names for players are. You know, it makes some sense, I think, to break it down. Is that uh, all those notes, Sam, are clear as mud or?
0: Yeah. Yeah, that makes sense. That, that, there certainly is some, just hearing you explain it is helpful. There's, I got ideas for what that looks like and of an understanding. What it actually entails is certainly another detail. I guess one of the questions I have, maybe this pertains specifically to the Vikings, is that shift, to me, like it strikes me that you'd probably maybe have different positions of need, like determining what you're doing in terms of your scheme, would it not influence, in some ways, your strategy for roster construction? Or what does yeah. that look like? Because I know there's also been conversation, I've heard conversation about them moving guys like Smith or Hunter around. So is that, or players like that allow you to do that? I guess that's kind of maybe a question of how much yeah. does a scheme impact roster construction?
1: It does, but not in a huge dramatic sense at least not what they're saying like i mean you just look in a lot of ways the defensive personnel is it's different like they've made more changes and subtractions and additions to the defense than they have the offense for sure but then you wonder is that more to do with just the fact that the defense didn't play well as opposed to the fact that the defense is now running a new scheme um so of course one of the concerns was can Daniel hunter make this transition to because right now it's, before he was a defensive lineman he was a defensive end he lined up on the end of the defensive line, three-point stance almost always. Uh, he was part of the, the four portion of the four-three. He was one of the four D linemen. Now when you say three-four, he's not part of that initial three. He's not a defensive lineman, technically. Now he's an outside linebacker, right? And so uh, you're going to have three guys lined up, all of whom are almost always going to be in three-point stance. So if I had to guess right now, I'd say we're starting three are Armand Watts, Dalvin Tomlinson, and then um, Dalvin Tomlinson, and then Harrison Phillips, right? Harrison Phillips being uh, the free agent signing, one of the free agent signings from this past offseason. So those are your three big dudes. And then you're going to, behind them, you're, you're going to have two middle linebackers now, instead of just one middle linebacker. So Jordan Hicks and Eric Hendricks, right? And they're going to kind of play, you know, in, in many ways, like a traditional linebacker role. But then with Darius Smith and Dino you know, Hunter, they're going to be edge rushers. And so, yeah, they're linebackers, but their primary thing is going to be coming up the field uh, and either to set the edge in the run game and run defense or to get after the quarterback rushing the passer. And when I say set the edge, you know, again, like these terms, you know, they give you hints, right? Like it's, it's towards the edge, it's towards the outside of the line kind of thing. And basically a lot of times uh, in run defense, they're going to be tasked with ensuring that nobody gets outside of them, because you don't want a player to... So if Daniil Hunter is the outside-most man on that side, of, say the right side of the defense, if the running back is able to get around him towards the sideline and then start running up the sideline, if there's nobody else out there, there's a real problem, right? So at the very least, if Daniil Hunter's task is to set the edge, so his, his primary responsibility in run defense then is to ensure that even if he misses the tackle, even if he doesn't bring his man down, he has to force him back inside because that's where all the other defenders are because to the boundary for the sideline he is the outside most man right and so it's one of those ones where you really have to take good angles right be fast be intelligent kind of thing and uh, not lose sight of your responsibility because when you don't if you're the contained man or sometimes referred to as the force man uh you really need to ensure that you kind of maintain that responsibility. And when you fail in that responsibility, your team is very vulnerable, right? Uh, Because there's not going to be defenders out, you know, in that area of the field. And so a lot of times you'll hear when you talk, you know, when I talk to the guys I coach, which is obviously way different than the NFL, but even in the NFL, you you talk about, you know, where's my help? Where where are all my teammates? And so if I can't make the play, I at the very least want to funnel the ball carrier back towards my help. Where, so that one of my teammates can make the play, right? And so, um Daniel Hunter, Zedaria Smith, two-point stance, and a lot of times they're going to be tasked with setting the edge, right? Like guarding kind of the outside area of the fields in terms of the width of the field to ensure that no one gets outside of them. A lot of times, not always. Uh, and then they're also going to be tasked with getting after the quarterback, hitting the quarterback, and uh, yeah, basically just in general, making life challenging for the passing offense. Uh, so Daniel Hunter is making the transition Zadarius Smith is not he comes from the Packers and before that the Ravens he has extensive experience as a 3-4 outside linebacker so this is not a schematic change for him we know he can play outside linebacker and be an edge rusher because like before Anthony Barr was an outside linebacker but that was a 4-3 so his responsibilities it was much less pass rushing a lot more was, you know, more traditional run defense and then uh, pass coverage, like getting get to a spot in your zone, maybe picking up a tight end or running back into man, a more traditional task of a linebacker. But there, you know, he was an outside linebacker um, within a 4 3. An outside linebacker, 3 4, um, is, you know, a lot more pass rushing. And if it's helpful, you might even think of it as a 5 2, right. which is to say, 5D lineman in a sense and two linebackers in a sense. And that a lot of times in that 3-4 alignment, you've got five guys on your defense kind of right out the line of scrimmage coming up field, whether it be for run or pass defense. And so in that sense, um, you might say it's a 5-2, even though it's not how we categorize it, right. if that makes sense.
0: Right. Um, quick question. What would you say the breakdown is if you look across the NFL – of number of teams doing a 3-4 versus teams doing
1: a 4-3? Yeah. yeah, I didn't look into that. That's a good question, though. 3-4 is becoming more popular. Right. And Ted Nguyen from The Athletic wrote a really nice piece about the Fangio system. That's um, on The Athletic. And certainly a lot of teams are, you know, kind of building off that and doing their own variations. Um, there's all kinds of different 3-4 uh, schemes. And so if I had to guess... I'd probably say a dozen teams in the NFL run a 3-4, but you could probably find that relatively easy. Um, but yeah, it's a, extremely common, becoming more common uh, alignment now. And really, I think, I don't think there are any teams in the NFL that aren't doing either a 4-3 or a 3-4. And so you're not seeing like 6-1, six, six down linemen, one linebacker, or, or even like at 5-2, and like a 5-D lineman proper and two linebackers you'll see teams have those fronts and run those plays at times occasionally, but that's not like you talk about like a base defense. This is just like all things being equal. This is just kind of like our normal setup that we kind of build around and we deviate from it, do different things from it, but we kind of have like our normal alignment, normal stuff that we do. Uh, this is where we begin. Right. Um, if that makes any sense.
0: Yeah. It, It strikes me and maybe you can comment on this that it feels like the three four you need to have intelligent people in those outside linebacker positions or or intelligent and skilled players and the vikings certainly have that it it feels a little bit like there's more chance that things could go wrong but also the like it feels more it maybe this is just because of it a four three seems more conservative to me maybe than a three four, but but maybe you have a different opinion on on that.
1: Well, let's talk about that. So uh, and a lot of times, you know, it's a read and react those outside linebackers, right? And that can create some issues. But here's one caveat. So you say, you know, your base defense is a three four. Okay, excellent. Um, and so that's kind of like your normal standard setup. But then the crazy thing is, so last year, for instance, The Vikings were a 4-3 team, but they were only in their base defense 33% of the time. They were in their nickel formation. And when I say nickel, you think of uh, the the pocket change, the type of money. Uh, That means they they took one player out of that 4-3, right? So a linebacker. So you go down to four defensive linemen, two linebackers. And now instead of four defensive backs, you've got five defensive backs. Therefore, your nickel formation, right? Uh, Nickel five. And so, but they were in that formation 63% of the time. So almost twice as often, only a third of the time were they actually in the base formation. And actually twice as often, uh, they kind of deviated from that. And that is kind of speaking to, uh, obviously, just the greater emphasis on passing, right? So defense is always responding to what the offense is doing and wants to do. And so the offense wants to pass more Therefore, we trade away some heaviness, a player who's maybe a little bit stronger and bulkier and more rugged for someone who's perhaps lighter, able to cover, work his way down the field, pick up a receiver, that kind of thing. Uh, so your nickel formation, in reality, is kind of the one that you run the majority of the time in this NFL. And so it's unclear what the breakdown will be for this NFL season in terms of percentages of, you know, 3-4, or in some, it would be, most Often switch to almost like a two four in that you're going to have, um, you know, two guys with their three point stances, you know, hands in the dirt, two outside linebackers, most often Zedaria Smith and Daniel Hunter, and then you're gonna have Jordan Hicks and Eric Kendricks are gonna be kind of your two, two traditional middle linebackers, and so you got a six man defensive front and then five guys behind them. Um, and for the Vikings, that m- might look like three safeties, it might be Lewis Seen, Andrew Bynum, and or sorry, Cameron Bynum. And uh, Harrison Smith, right, and then and then uh, it could be a mixture of Andrew Booth Jr., Patrick Peterson, or Cameron Dansler, right, is one of those. Or maybe if they want to have some, Channon Sullivan could be your slot corner with Peterson and Dancer on the outside. And then maybe you have seen and Smith, right. So some sort of combination of five defensive backs, and that's going to be your nickel package, right. Um, and then if you want to go up from nickel, well, what's next? Dime, right. So it's and that refers to six defensive backs, and so. Um, the reason why I say this is because the coverage that Donatel will likely lean toward and run is going to be a lot more man than zone. Uh, and zone is a type of coverage, quite often, this is changing now with pattern match zone, but quite often it involves players dropping to a particular spot on the field, saying that they're going to be responsible for this little area. Uh, and if anybody comes through their area, they're going to pick them up man to man and do their best to ensure that no completions are made. And when they are made, they're going to come up and make a tackle, right? Um, right? But zone allows you to kind of keep your eyes looking forward. You can kind of see what's happening in front of you. And, you can, and if it is a run, you can kind of come up and rally and, and, and play the run. Man coverage is, in a lot of ways, quite different in that if I'm man on man on Sam, and Sam runs down the field 50 yards, I'm turning my back and I'm chasing Sam. And if he, you know, wherever he goes, I go. And, and, and it's just that simple, right, in, in a lot of ways. And so that creates an issue if you have four or five of your defenders, ball is snapped, four or five of them are in man, they're turning their backs, taking their eyes away from what's happening in the backfield and run, you know sprinting out the field, right? And then if it's a run play, well, now all of a sudden you got a lot less players near the line of scrimmage. And so with Sam saying, you know, there seems like there's a greater degree of Risk, perhaps, or things can go wrong. In some ways, that's true insofar as if you've only got six guys in your defensive front, two traditional D linemen, two outside linebackers, and two, um, two middle linebackers, there could be an issue, right? Like, if, if Daniil Hunter doesn't set the edge, if, if someone outraces him to the, to the boundary, and meanwhile, most of the defensive backs are have their backs turned and they're running down the field, you know, there's a real problem there. That, that running back is going to pick up some yardage. And so it's really, really crucial to hear the Bill Belichick do your job, right? Uh, but when one individual guy doesn't do his job, now we're a little bit vulnerable. Um, it's easier, I think, to play sound run defense in zone than it is in man, at least a traditional zone. And so far, zone is going to allow you to keep your eyes forward and see what's happening, and you can kind of mitigate. Uh, so Daniel Hunter doesn't set the edge and he kind of screws up there, crap. But all our defensive backs are in zone, et cetera, et cetera. They got their eyes forward. They can come up and rally and stop the guy after seven yards. Okay, excellent. As opposed to, say, 27 yards, right? Which, which, And so I think Sam's right in a lot of ways insofar as it can be a little bit more risk-reward, and guys are going to have to be very, very disciplined, um, fulfilling their responsibilities. Right, right. If that makes sense.
0: Yeah, it does. And I'm, I'm glad you transitioned to the nickel and dime. Cause that was going to be my, my other question. I, I know yeah. those terms cause you hear them sometimes in the broadcast. I know exactly for me yeah. growing up playing Madden. Uh, I, I saw those, I, to be honest, when I was picking plays in Madden on defense, I just picked the suggested player. It didn't yeah, make a difference right, to me. Right. I don't yeah. know if you were like really concerned about this, the scheme fit or, uh, or thinking about, no. uh, switching it up. Um, do I just did a quick search and it looked like fourteen teams ran a three four last year. Sounds about uh, right. That sounds and, so right. And so there's certainly, like you said, there's going to be variations throughout the year. But that was mm-hmm. that was the assessment of one article. Um, okay. As you talk about this, the nickel and dime package and the this idea of doing a man coverage versus zone coverage, it it's interesting to me. You start to mention some of those players' names on this team. And you start to think a little bit about fit and skill set. And to be fair, I think you have those names you mentioned. Just a lot of question marks about, right? You We mm-hmm. haven't seen Andrew Boot Jr. at the yep. pro level. We haven't seen Louisine. We've, seen, we've yep. seen a little bit of Bynum. And yep. I think overall pretty good feelings, but just like very little to work with. Exactly. Uh, in terms of understanding what does it look like for him to be more of more closer to a, an every down player or or at least to be a regular rotation player. Uh and I know Dancler, we've got we've seen yep. some and we like there's a chance that there's some development there. Um, mm-hmm. so yeah I, I guess I'm curious for you maybe just even wrapping up this conversation like what do you foresee maybe the strengths of the actual like the past coverage of this team being and, and maybe where areas that you're concerned as you look at the at the scheme and yeah. the, the scheme plan, at least as right. as we foresee it at this point? Well, I'll say this. So,
1: um, and again, to go back to the Ted Nguyen article in The Athletic, this is a scheme that can be very versatile in its coverages. Uh, and so you're going to see the team begin a lot of times in too high And again, you know, aptly named. When you say too high, you have two safeties that are pretty high up, right? So you know that's why you talk about a a too high look. And and they're going to begin there, but they're not going to. It's not going to be a straight cover two all the time, or even the majority of the time. You know, they're going to bring guys down at the last moment to bring in more run defenders. They're going to you know roll defense to one side if there's a particular player they want to shut down or slow down. So um, you're going to see. A too high look quite often I would say and then from there it's going to be interesting to see you know Patrick Peterson doesn't have the wheels he used to he used to I think run a 4-3 and at his at his size like he's, he's a big strong guy he was legit all pro like the, like the preeminent corner for a little while um, but man if he's blazing down the field with say Tyreek Hill you, you know you're kind of wor- worried about that one on one matchup and of course You know, the Vikings are gonna do their best to avoid those kinds of matchups. But um, there are concerns about dancers speed. Peterson is a touch holder. Uh, I think Booth moves really well, but then there's the injury concern, and of course it's a rookie. So, what I would say then is that um to remind us all of the interconnectedness of football. And so if the front seven, or if you're a nickel, the front six perform well, if Zedarius Smith and Dino Hunter get to the quarterback. In next to no time at all, then it doesn't mean a damn thing. You know, if if uh you know if receiver X has three, four y- yards of separation down the field, because the quarterback's getting clobbered, right? So if the defensive front performs well and it reaches their potential, the defensive backs will look a lot better because they don't have to cover as long, right? But if our guys, our D linemen, our pass rushers are just getting stonewalled and they're just basically you know, can't can't get through, then we might see some issues. And so it'll be very fascinating to see. Um, I'm putting my hope on the front seven because it seems to me there's the most potential there. And then with a strong front seven, you hope that you have a strong secondary connected to that as a result of that. Um, but we will see. We will see.
0: Yeah. Yeah, it's going to be interesting. I I, I don't know. It, in some ways, is a... Someone who doesn't have as much investment in the team. I'm I'm kind of really curious to see what uh how these how the coverage team how the how these defensive backs and these safeties.
1: You're keeping up with the charade, Sam. You're one of us now. Yeah, I'm trying, I'm trying. You're, you're, you're one of us.
0: Hey, you know what? I I wasn't gonna bring up any hockey, but I think the last <laughs> time we talked, we the, the I had a lot of confidence in the Leafs and I just <laughs> yeah. just I reinforces the fact that it is not worth it to to get too invested in a team. Maybe all we don't the, want
1: Sam's fandom. Like he's he's all behind the Leafs, and what are the what are the true. Leafs doing?
0: That's <laughs> true. I will be taking bribes to not cheer for this team.
1: Yeah, um, there, you, there you go. That's right.
0: Yeah. Now, well, anyway, this is great. Uh, maybe I'll I'll leave you the final question. Yep. You mentioned the name Tyree Hill, and fast there is yeah, fast. there is a Week Six matchup against Miami. Yeah, we have to see a little bit how this goes, and assume that Tua can get him the ball.
1: Um, <laughs> yeah, right, right. Yeah. Not to say that, yeah.
0: not no offense to to Tua, but like Patrick Mahomes versus Tua is it's, it's a different. difference.
1: And yeah.
0: Week six prediction: Now, who covers Tyreek Hill, or, or is is he a player that you just need to go to his own coverage for?
1: Uh, it's it's uh, so I think you can run uh, man, but I think you're probably going to try and bracket him, right? And so go look at the Ted Win article. I'll say that a third time, but I think what you'll see a lot of times is a corner on him, man-to-man, and they're they're going to roll the safety over the top, right? Right? And so and and then it wouldn't be shocking to see if they try to jam one to line of scrimmage. And so when I say jam, like almost like not punch him, but you know hit him pretty firmly with. You know the corner with his hands try and disrupt his release from the line of scrimmage how fast he can begin the play and then stick with the man to man with the understanding that you have harrison smith or bynum or Seam uh really really deep and just as if you're the deep defender just like with daniel hunter if you're the edge no one can get outside of you if you're the deep defender nobody can get behind you like that that's like that's your main rule there so i suspect they're going to be rolling coverage over the top and telling that safety Tyreek Hill cannot get behind you. If he makes a catch, it has to be in front. Because if he gets behind you, you'll never catch him. It's a touchdown.
0: Right, right, and that so that all makes sense. I want I wanted you to put a name on the the corner who's going to be that that person.
1: Then put me down if if I got a name, I'll, I'll say Patrick Peterson. Yeah, and uh and it'll be a combination of the safeties over yeah. the top.
0: Yeah, that makes sense. That makes sense. It would be if if things worked out. uh yeah, I, it would be a lot to put a rookie corner. Oh uh, man, on him, tough, tough um, ask. I that's can't, a tough even job. if he even if he plays really well in those first five games, I yeah. have a hard time imagining uh, that's the move. Although I don't know,
1: but you know, what, if he's up to it, then I would be thrilled to be wrong. I think yeah. Sam would be too.
0: Right, if he like in in some ways, I wanted to say uh, if Andrew Booth Jr. is there, like, but like there is so much to to get to that spot. But if yep. he is even part of, in the mix for that type of matchup, then, then I love it. Like, then that is a fantastic sign for for that, uh, for, for the Vikings. So that's great. Well, we'll wrap up here and uh, we'll be back with uh, some talk with the offense. Take care, everyone.